The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin with teammates Aliyah Kamalova and Kayleen Holden. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. On today's episode, we're celebrating the anniversary of Career Contessa. Happy birthday, Career Contessa. And in celebration, we're going to go over seven lessons that we have learned over the past seven years. We'll be discussing some of the best pieces of advice we've heard or read and seven lessons we've learned on our own over the years working at Career Contessa. And now this is The Females. All right. So let's talk about the best pieces of advice we've heard, which I just hope the audience knows this has been really hard to narrow it down. And I just went straight for the easy source, which was my mom. And something she says a lot is you have to hang in the pocket a little bit longer, which I just learned the other day. This is actually a football reference. (laughs) So (laughs) my mom is very Midwest, loves football. And this makes a lot of sense. But the pocket is when the quarterback, I guess, is like getting ready to throw the ball just in case anybody's wondering why this is a football reference, but I I was, yeah, I have no idea. (laughs) So like when they're going back to throw the ball is all about like being patient, waiting for like the, the person, whoever, whatever that position is called to like throw the ball to them. Well, so my mom says a lot to me, she's like, Lauren, sometimes you just got to hang in the pocket a bit longer. And really it's her advice on like overall patience and why sometimes it's better to take your time on something and not to wish for things to come immediately. I'm very much a millennial, a hundred percent in the sense that I like things on demand, instant gratification when it doesn't happen fast enough. So I think just an overall piece of advice that we could probably all use, especially during these times is learning how to embrace patience a little bit more and hanging in those pockets, especially during those tough moments for hopefully the the right opportunity or the right thing to come along a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I know like the topic of this episode is what we've learned at Queer Contessa, but I feel like this is such a quarantine yeah. <laughs> experience, like learned experience of just like, you will actually be punished if you do not wait to like go outside and resume. Yeah, I know it's true. So it's like, it's so real right now to just take time yeah. and think. Well, I also think back, so we just recently had an episode with Lauren Everts Bostic of The Skinny Confidential and she talks about patience and how like she, she was like, I get off on patience. Like I love taking my time with something and you rarely hear that. And I think 
if we want to bring this back to career contessa and just like business advice in general, I do think people can become addicted to the like newness, like always launching something, always starting something new, whether that's a new job, a new whatever project. And I I do think there's a lot of magic in like the, in the patience of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Patience is tough. It's yeah. really, really tough. Yeah. I, I say all this. I'm not like the best <laughs> taking this advice, but look, this this is not about the best advice we've taken. This is what we've heard. Okay. <laughs> so mine is also, I guess, a very uh, millennial piece of advice, which is to be your own cheerleader and to be that for other people too. If you're not the one motivating yourself, like it's, it's going to be really hard for other people too. So giving yourself a little bit of break and giving yourself a little bit of love too. And then kind of paying that forward too. I think it's really important. Yeah. I, this makes me think too, of people don't want to hang out with the friend who's always putting themselves down. So you said like being that for other people, I think both ways, it's like learn how to be genuinely happy for other people and be a cheerleader for them as well as your own cheerleader. But also to your point about like critiquing yourselves, like it doesn't, I don't, it's kind of one of those things where, and again, this, I'm not like the best at taking this advice, but it doesn't really help you get further along, right? It doesn't get you from point A to point B. It doesn't solve your problem any faster. It makes you feel worse. And if you're critiquing yourself and doing all that in front of other people, you train people how to treat you. And so then it becomes through like just your language. I'm learning people pick up on that and it means a lot. And so you have to be aware of not only how you talk to yourself, but how you talk about yourself in front of other people too. Mm -hmm. I think whenever you also interact with someone who clearly adheres to that advice. It's so pleasant. Yeah. It's just so uplifting of themselves or like Mm non-self-deprecating. It's like, oh, wow, that's like refreshing. Because I feel like, you know, often people are self-deprecating or like qualify everything you're saying. And I feel like that energy just kind of spreads. And you're like, oh, yeah, I I talk about myself like that. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, oh, I I like that. I'm going to try that on. Yeah. yeah, I I do. It is like very infectious. And yeah, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. why I like the, you know, sort of paying it forward element of it too. Uh, Well, my best piece of advice is to not worry about things that haven't happened yet, which I was so bad at this. But actually, like my boyfriend, Ethan, always tells this to me, too, because he's like too chill about most stuff. And I'm like the opposite where I can think of like 15 options of like worst case scenarios. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, that mentality surprisingly has been not good for the pandemic. So (laughs) I feel like I was already getting better about this prior to. And it's like, thank God I did because otherwise. Yeah, mean, it would have been a rough just, This entire pandemic. year would have just, <laughs> I would have just been like in a ball probably. Yeah, I think this is just like, even if you have to like do something small, like go get a flu shot or something where it's like a little unpleasant experience, mm-hmm. which everyone should get their flu shot. But also I think that like, just hyping up the unpleasant feeling you have prior to the literal two seconds it takes to for them to administer a shot, for example, is like so much worse than the actual thing. And there's no need to even stress yourself out negatively because it's like the actual stress is going to be probably minutes mm-hmm. long, seconds. Yeah. And I feel like that applies to just like work and personal life of just like, I don't know, if if the worst does happen, make that amount of time that you're worried about it or stressed about it smaller by not extending it pre or post the thing. So, well, I find too that worrying about something doesn't usually, 
again, fix it, right? It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, the more time you worry about this, less likely it is to happen or it means it won't happen. It's it's the anxiety of like you're thinking about future things. And I know we all have this challenge of staying in the present moment, but you know, you only have so much energy in the day when it's focused on things that either haven't happened yet or might not have. I do this too. And I find that when I'm the most anxious, I find a need or I, I, one of the ways I solve this is with like quick accomplishments. It's like, well, what can I do for like a quick win to make myself? And part of that's a little bit of a busy work thing, but you know, everyone finds their coping mechanism. You just don't want that busy work or whatever that thing is to go on forever, I guess. Right. We actually have a word for this in our family because my mom does this. We call it planicking, which is like (laughs) you're like so panicked that you make several routes. Well, we could do this or we could do this. Or if this happens, we could do this. And it's usually like very grounded in like negative outcomes. So Mm -hmm. you just actually it's kind of like a non-starter too. You're like, well, or I'm just going to like not get my flu shot because I've hyped it up in my head. So right, right, right. Now it's impossible. That's good. Planicking. We should. That's, yeah, that's what I have. Yeah. That's like when they came up with the word uh, hangry, you know, and you're like, that's the word <laughs> you're planicking. All right. Well, up next, we're going to share seven lessons that we've learned over the years at Career Contessa in celebration of Career Contessa turning seven. I want to take a quick break to talk about Rory. Whether you're worried about dullness, redness, fine lines, or acne, trying to find the right treatment can be frustrating. I want to introduce you to Rory, a digital health clinic for women. Rory, the sister brand to Roman, which I'm sure you guys have heard of, makes it simple to connect with a healthcare professional online. To get the skincare treatment you need, all without time-wasting trips to the doctor, scheduling consultations, or waiting in line at pharmacies. Get on your phone or your computer, complete a free online consultation, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed healthcare professional within 24 hours. Yep, it's that fast. If appropriate, they'll prescribe a personalized skincare treatment that works just for you and your skin. And remember, with Rory, you don't even have to leave your house to get your custom skincare. Plus, they deliver it right to your doorstep, totally free with their two-day shipping. You can also follow up with a healthcare professional anytime if you need to make a change to your treatment to fit your custom needs. They're with you every step of the way in your skincare journey. And I know especially when the seasons start to change, sometimes my skin totally changes as well. So it's really nice to be able to just quickly message someone and say, hey, it's fall weather and now my skin is breaking out or now I feel like I'm really dry. I need a new moisturizer. Again, doing it all from a quick messaging online to get what you need. And with Rory, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. To get started, just go to hellorory.com backslash females to try out their nightly defense for just $5. You heard that right. $5. Just so you guys know, I looked online. This is normally a $75 product. So you can get it for $5. You can try out Rory. You can see what they're all about. Pretty low risk if you ask me. Plus nightly defense sounds like something we would all want to use right now. And it's totally free to chat with a doctor with your first order at just $5. So one more time, go to hello Rory. And Rory is spelled R-O-R-Y. So hello, Rory.com backslash females. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. And now let's get back to the show. 
Hey, this is Alexis Haynes. Join me every Monday for a new episode of my podcast, Recovering From Reality. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, I'm here to deliver intimate conversations and expert insights to empower you on the road towards authentic wellness. So are you ready to recover from reality? Okay, so the first lesson that I've learned, and you guys have heard me say it multiple times, and I've said it on other people's podcasts too, is I call it the glitter and glue balance. And the whole thought behind that is like in life, you always have glitter items. Those are the, you know, the really pretty external facing shiny things. Think of like something you would brag about on Instagram, right? Those are the glitter items. And then you have the glue items. And the glue is really important because it's what holds everything together. For me, one of the lessons I've learned running a business is that you really need to have a lot more glue items in your business than glitter. So don't let the glitter or those like shiny new objects distract you. So an example of like a shiny object is, I kind of talked about this earlier, but people who are always launching something, right? They're always chasing this new quote unquote glitter item. For me, glitter items might be press pieces, right? Like press is awesome, but I don't need to have 10,000 articles in every magazine. What I need is a really good company and website and resource. So Kaylee and I talk a lot about this when it comes to content, like a glitter piece of content might be, I don't know, something that's talking about the best planners to buy for the year. Whereas like a, a glue piece of content might be like, here's 10 questions to ask at the end of every interview. One is definitely not as glamorous and maybe not as fun, but it's, you know, (laughs) you can't buy the planner if you don't have the job. (laughs) Think of it that way. So (laughs) I use this uh, metaphor a lot as a way to just sort of help me make sure I'm balancing my tasks by glitter and glue and making sure that I have way more glue items, which look, there are days where it, it hurts because I'm like, oh, I missed out on this opportunity or I don't have this or whatever it is, but it it was probably a glitter item anyway. So. And then at the end, you get one beautiful poster board yeah. of career contestants. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so glitter and glue, recognize what it, what is that, especially if you're running a business, what are the items that actually, you know, move the, the train forward? Uh, and what are the items that look good and they're nice to have, but they're not, again, like they're not, they're not holding this operation together. And to go like deeper on this, and I feel like this is a very like, 90s grade school thing but remember when you'd use like Elmer's glue to like Mm -hmm. write out like the you know the top of your report on a poster board yeah then you'd throw all this glitter on then you'd shake it out and most of the glitter would fall out and like the only glitter that actually sticks is the glitter that stuck to glue okay my mind is blown yeah I know right visual representation (laughs) of this (laughs) but it's so true like you just the glitter doesn't mean anything without the glue to stick to yeah Mm mm-hmm And I think that especially in this world, because of social media and the quick, like quick highlights and how you can highlight reels and whatever, I think we get so distracted by glitter and especially running a business, you can get so distracted by like, what's your logo? What are your colors? You know, all these items. And it's like, okay, but what are, what's your product or your service? How are you helping people? Who are you helping? You know, those questions. So. And in our metaphor, that's whenever you find glitter randomly everywhere. That's. (laughs) To build onto the metaphor, yes, I didn't yes, want it yes. to contribute. Yes, so, yes. Um, when you randomly find it, like on your face in a week or something, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you're talking. Like about. Years later, um, yeah, yeah. 
So my first lesson is that pivoting is a useful skill and YouTube has a lot of tutorials to help with that. I think this is just coming from like my personal experience of like, I've done a lot of different technical things that I hadn't before at Career Contessa, or maybe I had like a beginner's knowledge or something. And now I'm pretty intermediate advanced in some (laughs) of those things. (laughs) And I think that just all comes from like, just continued learning and using time to just be like, I mean, one thing I really appreciate about our team, and I think that other people should value in their own like company culture is anytime any of us aren't sure about something, how to do something, it's like, no one really is like, oh, I'm perfect at this. I'll do it. It's like very transparent and just like, okay, let me figure this out. And everyone can kind of like work around that or work together to fill in the gaps. So I think that like just being able to change your priorities in your work and like the skills that go with that is super useful when you're working. Yeah. I would also just add, Aaliyah's had probably every job at Career Contessa. (laughs) So literally she pivots. But also I feel like anytime we've been like, okay, we were thinking about doing this thing. Do you think you could figure out how to do X, Y, Z technical thing? Your response is always like, yeah, I think I can figure it out. Give me some time. (laughs) Like it's never, there's no, like there's no panic happening with you. And maybe it's because you can go to YouTube and find it. But I just think that's another nice quality or like lesson here is that in order to sort of embrace pivoting, it can't necessarily always be accompanied by like a panic of like, well, if I don't know how to do something, then how will I be able to pivot? So I do think you've really mastered this, like being able to pivot and learn new skills. But I find sometimes with myself, when it comes to pivoting, there's like a slight panic that kicks in before. And I just don't see you have that. And I'm like, that's so cool. (laughs) I need that. I think my mind process usually is like, what's the thing that's closest to what's being asked that I can do? Yeah. And then let me augment that. So it's like, you know, if it's editing a video or editing a thing for audio, and I don't really have experience with that, but I do have video experience. I'm like, how can I like it? Connect must, the dots. The mechanics mm-hmm. are there. Yeah. So it's like just trying to see what you do know already because yeah, I know I totally have been in that position too, like with other jobs where I'm like, I don't know anything about this thing. And it's like, well, you might like, you might know something and you might not actually. So, but yeah, it's definitely also like a two prong thing where if your boss is also like, I don't care, figure it out, you know, like (laughs) some people have like a horrible situation like that, then it's much tougher and more easier to panic if you're demanded a thing that you have no idea where to start. So, right. Yeah, it's definitely. A yeah, I know at least at Career Contessa, I do feel like pros and cons. But one time, one time I do remember saying this to the developer. I was like, I just wish for once we could do something without having to like research exactly how to do it from, you know, <laughs> all the steps A to Z. And it just shows like we are always trying to learn something new or having to learn something new. So, yes, some days it slows down the process, but at the end of the day, you do acquire a lot more skills and confidence, right? Like it builds confidence Mm -hmm. to kind of be like, oh, I didn't know how to do this thing. And now I can. I I completely agree with that. The next lesson is saying yes to discomfort. I've told this story a couple of times, I think, maybe not on this podcast, but this podcast also is a (laughs) discomfort. uh, Wait, what is the word I'm looking for? This podcast is something that's very um, uncomfortable. (laughs) You're so uncomfortable. You can't think of the word. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, discomfortable. Um, no, but I do remember like, I think my first or second week at Career Contessa's someone like handed me a script and was like, yeah, you're going to be on the YouTube channel. That was me. That one person (laughs) doing that. (laughs) For this story, I think that I'm going to be a heavy part of the uncomfortableness (laughs) that you experience, but also a heavy part of the growth. So please continue. (laughs) Aline's going to be getting so many uh, calls after this. Just, I think sometimes... And this is the kind of discomfort that's, it's like not the discomfort where you're like, this is a wrong thing or like someone's making me feel uncomfortable in a like wrong way. This is a thing where it's like maybe something I've never done before that I'm scared for kind of an illogical reason, like being on a podcast or getting on video, like you can do it. And the first time might be awful, but the second time you'll feel a little better. And by the fifth time you, you won't maybe sweat through your shirt during it. Like, but I think saying yes to discomfort is always a really good growing experience. And if it's like completely, completely as awful as you imagined, then maybe, maybe it is too uncomfortable, but finding out is the key. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like, you know, for the audience, it's like, okay, think of the last uncomfortable thing you were asked to do at work, you know, and then think of like how you felt before and the after, because I feel, I I do think if you can hold on to that after feeling or like write it down or remind yourself, it makes it a little easier to say yes more often. That's like when I had to do that public speaking gig for a conference right before pandemic. So it was like one of the last in-person things. And I like honestly, I was so uncomfortable, but I also like didn't want to do it. So it was like, it it was like a mental headspace to be like, okay, I'm excited about this. I want to do this. I want to accomplish this. And then putting in all the work to do it. But the high that you get afterwards, the cloud nine of like, I did this thing that I've never done before. I was uncomfortable slash maybe didn't really want to do it because I was uncomfortable. But like the feeling afterwards is great. And so if you can just sort of, I don't know, write it down, talk about it a lot, I think it makes it a little easier to say yes to those things more often. And I agree. They're totally the growth moments too. Mm -hmm. I think also if it just goes horribly wrong, like because people do just kind of bomb sometimes, I think at the end of the day, you get a good story out of it. Yeah. Yes. So and everyone laughs. It might take like... Yeah, it might take some time, but, (laughs) you know, at least you get a funny anecdote. Yeah, and if you want to hear more of those, we talked about people's mortifying work stories on an earlier podcast episode. (laughs) Okay, so the next lesson is adapt, adapt, adapt. So this is all about business lesson that I've learned is just diversifying your revenue streams, keeping your overhead low, and not being afraid to change change things like this podcast. If you listen to season one of this podcast compared to now, you'll notice like, oh, the show has changed. The format has changed. The topics have changed. And like, I think for me, it's, it's partly the lesson here is adapt, but also not becoming so emotionally attached to anything that you are unwilling to cut it if it's not working or unwilling to try, you know, do something that you, you never thought you would do you know, for the revenue streams, I'll give you an example of like, I was always really anti display ads. And now we have display ads on the site. And I'm like, why was I so anti this? And it was just, you know, something I had in my head about like, you know, ad platforms and it was all made up stuff. But my point being is like adapt, but also don't be so emotionally tied to something that you aren't willing to, when you throw it on the wall, if it sticks great. And if it doesn't, you throw it out quickly. And I feel like in the last like year and a half, we've been doing a lot of that career contessa. It's like, cut it. I feel like I've also been doing that like in my closet slash my house. Like I'm getting rid of clutter, but I, I I do. I think it's a little bit of an adapt mentality. And I know this might seem really like 
all right, well, you're not saying anything we haven't heard before, but sometimes you need the reminder of like change can be the best thing. Adapt and turn toward it, not away from it. I really think we have become experts at experimenting. Yeah. Like with, you know, there's so many times I feel like we've tried, you know, we've had a conversation that's like, okay, well, let's try this for three months and then see what happens. Yeah. So it's like not so precious that, you know, you're committing years to something, but just giving something a shot at working or not working. Yeah. And then figuring out what to do from there instead of preemptively, like you said, saying no to something that you just, I don't even know why you're against it, but you just feel like you don't yeah. want to do it. So. And I will like, just to give you guys some context, we, we cut a lot of things at Career Contessa, but part of what goes into like, do we keep it or we don't is like, what's the ROI? How much work are we putting into something versus what we're getting out? Is this aligned with the overall mission and and resource that we're trying to build? Like there are some ways to make the cutting process faster, but I do think this all starts with a, from a place of curiosity and like being willing to experiment in order for this to work. You do have to have your data. You can't, well, you can, you can cut things whenever you want. It's more helpful (laughs) to cut things and feel good about cutting them when you have the data in front of you that shows like, Hey, this is just not working. Is the, the bank for your buck here is just not there. So anyway, no, know where your money goes, where your number, you know, your data and the adapting part of this will be a little faster and easier too. I would also add that like a crucial piece of this is, and I think this is something that the three of us, I believe have is like the ability to let go of ego. Yeah. I don't think ego really comes to the table with a lot of things we do. So there's never really this, like if something gets scrapped, it's never personal. It's, you know, your your heart's never broken. It's everyone's ready to move on and do the thing that needs to get done, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a bonus lesson, but it is like a, there's more where that came from. Like when it comes to stuff like that, especially deciding on what to scrap if you're going to, it's like just, I don't know, having a promise to yourself that you know that if you've made something this good or whatever, there'll be so many more better things that you'll make. Like it's just, yeah, I don't know, the basis of creating anything within a company. My next lesson is that company culture and non-work conversations matter at work. And I feel like this is more of like in recent times pivoting to remote work. I feel like we kind of like, we were lucky that we did have an in-person like experience where we were all able to be in an office all together, even though we had like a little bit of remote work infrastructure in place to, because we used to just, you know, work remote Fridays. So I feel like we had the best of both worlds. It was a lot easier to bring a company culture to a remote setting um, because we had like pre-existing, you know, conversations, jokes, whatever, like random non-work things. But I feel like that's so important because especially when you're isolated in your own home or wherever working, it feels like the days just kind of go. (laughs) Like you're like, I haven't moved really or whatever. And I feel like it just makes it more fun to work if you have like those moments of personal connection instead of like, you know, work conversations. I feel like it's easier when you have non-work conversations and you're bonding with your coworkers in a, you know, because you want to on topics you want to, not because it's topics you have to Mm -hmm. talk about. It then makes you 
you know, that bond is uh, stronger for then when you do have to do the work stuff. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. the foundation you're, and you're right. We, we got the best of both worlds because our foundation of our company culture was built in person. And we've been able to just kind of bring that over to remote. And for us, what we do is every Monday and Thursday. Now we have video calls with each other. And, you know, we always try to ha- talk about like, what's going on in your life and whoever wants to share can share. It is obviously different because it's not when you're in person, that stuff can happen a lot more often. But I do think working well with people, and maybe that's just because they're, as you mentioned, the lines are so blurred, but like you bring your human to work, right? There's that phrase for a saying, like or for a reason. I do think the non-work conversations matter for also doing work. And look, you don't have to be best friends with everybody at work. Like that's not what we're saying. And there are definitely times as we talked about in that selling sunset episode, like where people can use the term, oh, but we're a family as a way to like Mm -hmm. excuse crossing boundaries. So I just want to preface this. Like we're not talking about not respecting boundaries, emailing at all hours of the night, but part of what can help with that is these non-work conversations, like knowing about each other's lives a little bit. Um, My next piece of advice is we can always strive to do better. And I think that's something that everyone's learning worldwide and continuing to learn. And we're also learning that we can always be learning. Uh, It's never ending. I will say I came back from maternity leave in, you know, the middle of COVID and, and after George Floyd and it was a real changing tide of like, okay, we can't, we like, this has to be, and it should have always been at the top of mind, like everyone's point of view. Like what, what does this article look like to everyone reading it? What does it look like to, you know, the black girl reading it, the Latinx girl reading mm-hmm. it, someone with disabilities reading it? It's just making sure that everyone's included in the conversation and it's not just something for women specifically um, or like, you know, I'm a white woman, that it's not something for specifically for a white woman. So it's, Yesterday I was writing something on voting and I just kind of sat there and I was like, felt like a little bit of a dummy because I was like, wow, voting is actually really difficult for some people. And it never even crossed my mind that it would be. If you're showing up to your polling place in a wheelchair and there is no ramp, like how are you getting in? If if you're showing up Mm -hmm. and English is your second language and you need help and someone's going to tell you, no, you need to speak English, like perfect English to vote. And like, that's actually really illegal, but, but do people know these things? Yeah. And it's just always, I guess, keeping an open mind to learning. And when, when you do get feedback that says, you know, this doesn't include this person rather than like you taking that, taking that offensively, just listening and being like, wow, you're, you're actually really right. And it should be something that could include everyone. Yeah. I think anytime anyone has a reaction of like, offended that this person corrected me or something like that is like truly just take a second to figure out why you feel that it's way guilt. or like yeah mm-hmm. and just analyze that and fix it and learn and continue on mm-hmm. I think too you're 100% right all this stuff was has been happening and existing for a long time we've just had the privilege to like not recognize it or it not impact us and that is something where it's like you're right. We can always strive to do better, to learn more, to listen more. And I think work in progress and like, you know, constantly looking at things is, I just think if you're not doing that, then 
you're not changing, you know, that's that whole fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Like I would much rather have a growth mindset in life and go through life like that and be open to that. Okay. So last tip, this is for managers. (laughs) This is just like, these are like very tactical things I've learned is like for managers, create more structure versus less because something my mom used to say too. She's like, if you allow zero chaos, you're going to get a little bit. If you allow some chaos, you're going to get a a lot. And I feel the same way with structure. Like people work better with structure if they know what to expect and they know like, what are the rules around X, Y, Z. So I would highly encourage managers to err on the side of creating more structure versus less. It's good for you. Good for everybody. And then for employees, advocating for what you need and want is not selfish. So learn how to do it and do it often. As a manager, I love when you guys come to me and you're like, I need X, Y, Z, and it's really specific and advocating. I I think part of that is people have, you know, what Kayleen was talking about before, like you can critique yourself and have these messages. But one thing I've just learned is that advocating is just, it's not a selfish thing. And so I think the more you can actually articulate what it is that you want and need from work and what you need to find from your boss, the better relationship you guys will have. And also probably the more successful you'll be in that job. So that was just something tactical that I've learned over the years of managing people is that when I get too wishy-washy, when I'm like too much of everybody's friend, when I don't like say this is the way it is, it just doesn't go well. And it's not, it's, it's completely wanting or thinking I'm doing the right thing, having good intentions, but it just doesn't go that well. So anyway, I just wanted to end on a tactical note. No, I think it's good. And I think we're, since we're such a small team, it's a lot easier for us to like implement stuff quickly. So I think that even if you're in a larger company, that's probably even more important just because you're working with so many different people and different work preferences and communication preferences that I think it's really important to have structure instead of just kind of vibing it out. Yeah. Well, so much of what we talk about between content and then stuff topics on this show are just like communication related. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's seven career slash life lessons that the three of us have learned over the past seven years, uh, celebrating career contessa. I know she's what, what, what grade are you in in seven when you're seven, like first grade, second grade. Okay. She's basically an adult now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in dog years, she definitely would be. So the let me just recap. The, the lessons were figure out your glitter and glue balance. Don't let the glitter distract you. Number two is pivoting is a useful skill. Do it often. Number three, say yes to discomfort. Number four, adapt, adapt, adapt. Number five, company culture plus non-work conversations matter at work. So make sure you are incorporating them. Number six, we can always strive to do better. And number seven, for managers, create more structure versus less. And for employees, remember that advocating for what you need is not selfish. So do it often. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this special anniversary episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. We absolutely love hearing from you all. And just thank you to all of you for helping Career Contessa get to be seven years old. She would not get to do any of that without the dedication of this team, but also the readership and listenership. One of the best parts of reflecting back over the years is looking back on all of the goals you've accomplished. If you're interested in getting some help setting and achieving big goals, download our free Big Bodacious Goal Guide. The link to that in the show notes. And lastly, 
Thank you to all of the females listeners and Career Contessa followers for making this Career Contessa birthday so special. We couldn't have done it without you. 